Well, hey everyone, this is Athena and welcome to the All Things Podcast, where we gather once a week to learn and share stories about how God works all things together, writing a story of good because He is faithful and good. Every Wednesday, I'll be chatting with a friend who I know and respect, one of our Redemption Press authors, who will not only share a personal Romans 8.28 story, but also help to give you tips and tools for your life journey. Two episodes a month, we'll have an additional interview with a well-known author, and the other two episodes will include a time for Insider Insights, where I'll answer publishing questions from our listeners. So hey, Let's get started. Welcome to today's episode of the All Things Podcast. I recently had the opportunity to interview one of our most recent Redemption Press authors, Micah Ruth, and you're going to meet her in just a moment. Then during the second half of the show today, we'll have two more She Writes for Him Boot Camp graduates sharing their Romans 828 stories, Lori Jaron and Carol Larson. So let me tell you a little bit about Micah before we roll the interview. After focusing solely on her career in the corporate world, for 18 years, Micah Ruth discovered and learned her calling from Christ to share her journey and inspire others through her writing. Through her blog, Created Significant, Living Loved and Free, and her first published book, she is committed to helping others see themselves as Christ sees them. Micah is a wife and mother to three, lifelong Colorado resident, avid mountain biker, and lover of the outdoors, where she does most of her writing. So, Micah, welcome to the All Things Podcast. It is great to have you on today. Oh, thank you. Yes, it's so great to be here. Thanks for having me, Athena. You bet. You bet. So before we jump in to your book and just a little more about that, I would love to have you kind of share your Romans 828 story with us. I know we all as believers have lots of those stories where God works good out of, how could you do bring anything out of this kind of a situation? But give us the one that you feel led to share so our listeners get to know you a little bit better. Yeah. Oh, that's such a great question. Yeah. This whole book really that I wrote is really about to me, an, an all things story. What I, I got demoted um, as the start is the catalyst of this book. And obviously being demoted feels like a bad thing, right? It didn't, it didn't feel a great thing, but really what I learned during the demotion was that God wanted to use it to put me into a different place. He wanted to show me how misplaced my identity was in my work and he wanted to help me heal from that and rebuild my identity in him. And one of the things that just came to me so quickly after the demotion was God was, was he just brought Genesis 50, 20 to my mind. He said, you intended to harm me, but God is going to work this out for all good. And I just knew he was talking about the demotion that they intended to harm me, but God was going to work it out for all good. Mm. Well, and what's so common for us, I don't know, maybe for men too, but I know for us women, we get so wrapped up in what we do, what our job is, that that becomes who we are and we lose our identity in that. And so I love how God used that to really create a, a turning point in your life and really allow it to be a time of refinement. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I love that. Let's, um, let's just jump in, share with us a little bit about what led you to write your book. Yeah. So, um, like I mentioned, the demotion, right. Is very, is, was the catalyst and it was this time of, of really searching out, um, where I had lost my 
um, identity. So for 18 years, I'd worked in the, um, I have worked in the secular corporate world and being the natural born achiever that I am, you know, I really succumbed to that belief of you are what you do and you're only as good as your last achievement. Right? It is a performance culture. And I really, at that time, I couldn't see that my identity was so tied to what other people thought about me or what I was accomplishing. But then starting about three years ago, it got worse as I was chasing this promotion at work. And I thought that I was on track. And then suddenly one day out of nowhere, I was demoted and I was, I was devastated. I, I literally was in shock. Um, but God met me in that really deep pain. And that is when we, I really started to walk through uh, what he was trying to teach me in that moment. Mm. Good, good. So what did God show you through the demotion? And, you know, how, how were you able to embrace that? Yeah, so first, he really showed me how badly my identity was tied to my achievements and, and working for the approval of others. And how he wanted me to change that and really rebuild my identity in him. And you know, again, at first it was just, I just really thought it was the end, right? I, I thought it was the end of a dream. Um, I thought I was a miserable failure, rejected by everyone. And now this demotion was just another point of rejection in my life. Um, but really God just let me know that he was going to do something with this, um, something for my good. If I just leaned into him and trusted him through the pain, the embarrassment and the shame really that I was walking through. Well, and I'll bet, you know, I mean, the enemy would love for you to stay in that place. And I think a lot of people end up staying there and getting bitter yeah. against God instead of growing from it. Yeah, definitely. So one of the ways God revealed the truth about your identity was in a devotional on Ephesians 1. So tell us what you learned from that devotional. And just give us a little bit of insight on, you know, how that all happened. Yeah, this is this is such a great story. Um, so it was one of those eye-opening moments for me, you know, one of those revelations. You know, have you ever read a devotional where you just was like, oh, we're like, oh, God is speaking to me in this moment. And it was it was great because it was just after a few days where where God had said to trust him and lean into him um, around the the pain. And um, I just opened one of my everyday feed devotionals. I have several of them. I like to follow um, different ones. And it was about Ephesians 1, 4 through 5, where God talks about how it was always his plan to adopt us into his, um, into his family uh, through the blood of Jesus. And I literally read the first few lines and I had to sit down. <laughs> the presence of the Lord was so strong that I was shaking and it was, it was just one of those moments where everything just crystallized about what God was trying to teach me about the revelation that I needed to, to know that my, my, my approval or that my job had become my identity and where, what God wanted me to do was to dig into Ephesians because that was, that was the way out. That was how I would learn to build my identity in him. It was just a great moment. Wow. I love that when, you know, those words just jump off the page and it's like, you wrote this for me. No one else. Yeah. For me. Yeah. Oh, gosh. So what are some of the lies that you believe that incorrectly shaped your identity? Just key moments in your life that that shaped that? Yeah, that's a great question is I really had never considered um, the the things that had shaped my identity before God had me um, dig back into them when I was going through Ephesians. God really brought two places where I had believed lies or had made some vows that just kept me from um, from my freedom in, in, in his love. And so first was when I was in elementary school. I, I was just tormented by my weight. I know a lot of us were like that too. I was definitely the odd child out. I was a chubby kid. And, and I truly believed from, from that moment that something was wrong with me, that I had to do more to be loved than, than other, other kids. Hmm. The second 
Yeah. The second really was um, I had a really uh, awful experience that I walked through um, in my early 20s. My ex-husband hurt our infant daughter. Mm-hmm. And it was a moment I've just, you know, I just, I know a lot of people have experienced lots of pain. And it was one of those those traumatic moments of, of pain. Um, and I, in that moment, I, I vowed to be stronger, to never fail again. Um, I vowed to be in control. And mm-hmm. I was just so afraid and so hurt um, that I didn't trust anyone. I will admit I didn't trust God after that really hurtful experience. God really brought me back to, to that moment so I could see where he was mm. in those moments. Amen. So how did God then heal you from those hurtful wounds? Yeah, so that was the, that was the key, right? Is God wanted me to go back there um, to, to teach me about the healing. Um, I'm not one who really loves to go back and visit hurtful moments. I think I'd rather sweep them under the rug um, and pretend that didn't happen. Uh, God really wanted to show me, though, that the key to healing is to face those moments and to see what the lies that I believed in those moments about myself and my life and his good plan for me. And then to let me relive those moments to see God's perspective on them, right? his truth. Where was he? What does he say about those things? And when I understood that and I gave and I got the grace from God where he revealed his perspective on his truth, I could rewrite those storylines in my in my head about where he was and what his plan was for me and how much he loved me and was there in those moments even the broken ones where we sometimes feel that he's not. Mm, I love that. So, okay. You say in your book that you knew you needed to rebuild your identity in Christ, but how did you, I mean, what were the steps that you took? Yeah. I I love that question. This is, I'm so glad you asked this because this was, this was my favorite part of the whole process. You know, I am a very, practical person. I like to um, to understand what are the things that I need to do to actually change um, into this because I want to do it. It sounds great, um, but how? And I think a lot of us feel that way, right? Do you feel that way, Athena, about some of the, 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 the things you hear about, about, you know, how to live as a Christian? And you're like, but how? <laughs> Totally. And so for a long time, for about a couple months, I really struggled through that with, with, with God as I leaned in um, to him and, and reading Ephesians. And, and one day it just came to me that Ephesians holds the practical applications that, and that God provided them. And I just love that God can be so practical too, that he knows that we're made of dust and we need a practical application uh, to apply his truths to our, uh, to our, um, to ourselves. Um, so what he revealed to me is the practical applications is the armor of God in if, that we find in Ephesians six. Um, after all, right, this is a war on our identities and we're in a, we're in a battle for a lot of things. And I think though the war on our identities is a real thing. The enemy wants to keep us from who we're, we, we were created to be and who our God is and how he is towards us. So that's really where I found, right, the six pieces of armor. Um, so it starts with the belt of truth. And then the second is the breastplate of righteousness. And this is really where I fell fell like this was the new life that we have in Christ. So now as you started like applying, like, okay, help me Lord understand the power of the armor and each piece. And so did you like daily get into a routine of praying on the armor or tell me, tell me how that process was for you. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, first I did the, I I made a practical application of each of the six pieces. So first is the belt of truth. 
This is the foundational piece of armor. This is the truth that is found in Ephesians 1, 4, 5. You are a child of God, dearly loved, and it was his plan all along to adopt you into his family and give you the glorious life that he has planned for you through the blood of Christ. So this is where I made um, the manifesto, right? The world lies to me every single day, and so does the enemy. So I really... I really felt like God was saying, you need to speak truth over yourself every single day because the world's going to lie to you every single day. And so is the enemy. And so this is where I made the manifesto. And this is the, the one thing that I continue to do. I was doing it on a daily basis when I was really struggling, but I would say that I still do this on a weekly basis. I try to start my week with who I am. I read that manifesto out to myself. In fact, it's so important to me um, that I made it available on my website on my as a free resource that people can download um, on the resources because I feel like this is this is the key. You need to speak the truth of who you are, who God says you are, every single day uh, to yourself. And would you agree out loud, not just in your head? Out loud. Yep. Yes, I absolutely. Yeah. And I, per I've personalized mine. So I've added little things that I know are triggers for me. Um, like I don't need to seek approval because I do, I seek approval a lot. Right. So I, uh, I, I've added little pieces that I know are triggers, triggers for me specifically. And there's something about, and I'm not sure, I know there's uh, science behind it, but there is something about our brain hearing our voice say something about ourselves that it, it goes to work on it. And, and so it's important, yeah. I think, for our for us to hear that truth out of our mouth. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And I've the, some of the second and third pieces are also um, are also speaking pieces or or story pieces because I think also um, you know we we're we're story people right our our God wrote a story to us the Bible and we live in this world where we create storylines in our head and so the one of the the pieces I haven't mentioned yet is is the third the third piece and it was the shoes of peace. And I really felt like this was God's redeemed story. I mean, if you think about Ephesians three and how it, it talks about how God can do abundantly more than we could ever ask for. And you think that God is that God wants us to have this great story. He wrote this epic love story for us that we're, we're living in. And so that, that piece, I really, I love that one because I, I really spoke my story out to myself. And then I let God redeem those pieces. So some of those hard pieces of my story where I didn't know where God was or, or they were just painful, but also great parts too of, of my story. Like when I got saved um, again, when I was 26, when I came back in, into um, the church and gave my life back to Christ, I, um, that was such a great part of, of the story. And I wrote the story out to myself and I go back and I read it sometimes to make sure that I'm living the story that God is telling in my life and not the story that sometimes can be wrong in our heads. You know, they you, you sometimes create wrong storylines. I think the enemy wants to speak bad storylines to you. Oh, yeah. Yep. And he knows where he knows where our weaknesses are. And that's where he's going to try and get in and bring that narrative that takes you away from trusting God. And, and understanding who you are in, in Christ. So, okay, so what's the fourth? Because you had- So the fourth one, yes, yep. So the fourth one is the shield is the shield of faith, right? And this is really finding about who God made you and what your purpose is. You know, God, God says in his word that he gifted us individually for mm -hmm. the purpose that he's called us to. And it'd be seasonal. Uh, you know, sometimes you're gonna be, a mom for a little bit. And sometimes you're going to be, you know, in a, in a corporate job. And so God, you know, provides us and equips us the gifts of everything that we need um, in those seasons. So I felt like this was really your shield of faith. You got to go back and you have to believe that God is equipping you for those, um, for everything 
that so you can withstand the onslaught on your calling because you're definitely going to get an onslaught from the enemy when you are when you are bringing forth the kingdom of God you 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 are going to be attacked absolutely those fiery darts and that's what the shield is for to ward off those fiery darts that the enemy loves to make you question oh you you you're not good enough for this who who do yeah. you think you are to do this yeah. for God you know he loved yeah. that one and it works yeah I mean, Yes. And you know, that's, that's such a great transition into the fifth too, because I think the fifth is right with it, right? If the fifth one is really this helmet of salvation, and you think, you know, the enemy attacks you in your head. And um, sometimes I know for me, I'm not even one of those people who, who really understands or sees it, right? It just, it's there. And so I have to spend a lot of time with God so that he can reveal to me the lies that I'm believing or the lies that were implanted um, by the enemy in my head. And I just go back to there's this this one verse in Ephesians 5. It says you find out who you are in Christ and and you just know more about yourself the more that you spend um, time in union with Christ. And that's really the fifth for me was making time to renew your mind daily in, mm. in Christ, to sit with him and be in relationship with, with him and let him talk to you like a, like a friend. Right. Right. So now was, is there a sixth? Yes. And okay. the most important of all, right. All right. The sword of the spirit, which of course yes, that's the is one. the word of God, right? So every single day we must remain in the word of the in, in the word of God, this is a battle. This is a battle, right? So we, um, the, you know, the word of God is, is, is told a lot in, in the Bible as the sword, right? And so if you think about all of these other, um, pieces of armor, they're very, um, kind of defensive, right? This, but the word of God, that is your offense, right? This is your one weapon that you yeah. can do to cut down the lies of the enemy, to cut down, um, the lies of the world um, to to walk in in your identity in Christ. Love that, love that. So, okay, it life is a daily battle. We, I mean, we know that that's what the enemy is out to do: kill, steal, and destroy. And if he can't take away our salvation, he can try and ruin our witness. And so, I would love to hear this manifesto. It would you share that with us? Because it's, it's powerful. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Um, so again, I've uh, personalized the one that I read to myself, but I think this is really based off of Ephesians one and the whole, the whole chapter. And so the, the key is, is that um, Paul, when he wrote it, uh, he really wrote the, the Ephesians one as an introductory to all of the rest of the chapters that he's going to go into. So it, there is everything that, that you need to know about your identity kind of following Ephesians one. So I'm going to read it out to you. Right. Starting though with the, the key is that you are created in the image of God. So Genesis one I'm a dearly loved child of God created in his image with a special purpose to reflect and glorify him. Long before God made the world, he loved me and he chose me to be the focus of his love. I am loved unconditionally. I am adopted into God's family through the blood of Christ. I was chosen. I belong. I am loved enough to die for, regardless of what I have done or not done. This is my approval. The only affirmation that I need. I am good enough as I am. Jesus saved me and he covered me, which frees me to be me. I am abundantly free. I'm free from striving to prove my worth. I'm free from others' opinions of me. I am free from comparison. I am free to be who God created me to be. In his love, I find the glorious life he planned for me. He placed desires in my heart during my creation. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, and with him, I find the love that fills me and frees my heart to be who he created me to be. God desires his best for me and always works things out for my good. 
He has a glorious life plan for me. God is in complete control. There is no authority above him and I am an important part of his plan. God loves me dearly and is always with me and for me. Mm -hmm. Powerful. And if someone wants to download that, it is, you have it on, tell us your website where that can be downloaded. Yeah, so it's www.micaruth.com. And it's on the resources page. So you just go to the resources page and it's right there. It's the Loved and Free Manifesto. And it has a free resource for everyone. I love that. Okay, so we're, as we're wrapping this up, I would love for you to just share a couple of tips or tools for our listeners to just help them, even when things are hard, remember that really God is working behind the scenes. He does, he's gonna work it for good, even if it doesn't seem even possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, one of the things that I, I realized is you know, living loved and free is hard here. You know, we, we live in a culture that values hustle and production, the approval of others, the like count on our Facebooks, right? So it's hard. So for me, when I find myself back into working for love, I read the manifesto, but I also just go to God. I, I think through the writing of this and really leaning in, the one thing I learned the most is that God just wants to love me. Um, and he can be all things to us, right? He can be a friend when we need a friend. He can be a father when we need a father. I'm even going through this thing right now where he can be a coworker that I need to go in and talk about what's going on at work for me and ask him for some guidance, right? Like, what should I do in this situation? Um, and, uh, so I just, I would just encourage everybody that God wants to be in the details with you. He wants you to have that glorious life that he has planned for you. And, and he can guide you to that, um, in all the details and in, in all of the circumstances, you know, I love that he just makes, he makes all things good, even when, when they seem bad. And sometimes we cause them, we veer off the path. And even then he's like, yep. I forgive you and let me veer you right back onto the path. <laughs> yep. Amen. Amen. All right. So if we have some ladies listening today who say, Oh, I like what she says. I want to connect with Micah on uh, social media or wherever, where's the best place to connect with you? Yeah, I think, I think both. And on the website, um, you know, I'm really committed to this living, love and free. So I, um, you know, and I walk it as a daily, uh, as a daily battle myself. And so I think, you know, if, if uh, there's a, there's a devotional too that I, that I post and um, that's a great way on my, it's a blog devotional. So I'm a great way. That's on my website too at, at micaruth.com. And then also I have um, a, a Facebook uh, author page, which is um, Micah Ruth. So it's pretty easy to find on, on, uh, on, on Facebook. Um, but I love to connect with, with uh, uh, people there as well. Uh, I do answer messages and questions. And I do also have a place on my website that, you, um, that anyone can ask me questions as well. And, and it comes right, right to my inbox and I'll answer them. Perfect. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on with us today. Um, it's just been a joy to have this conversation and to just hear a little bit of your story and, and just how much um, God has just given you that revelation and that understanding of that, that identity piece. It's so, so important. So thank yeah. you so much for being with us today on the All Things Podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. You bet. Yeah. In May, God gave me a vision of a movement. He gave me the name She Writes for Him, and I knew it would start as a book compilation, then a podcast, and finally a conference. Well, here we are a year later, and She Writes for Him, Stories of Resilient Faith, launched on May 12th, featuring Carol Kent, Tammy Trent, and Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith, along with 27 brave women 
who shared their hard stories of abortion, depression, betrayal, loss, and shame, and declared how God worked redemption in their lives. The second edition is finalizing submissions, and best-selling author Liz Curtis-Higgs leads the lineup of contributors sharing on suffering, cancer, mental health, addictions, and spiritual abuse for She Writes for Him, Stories of Living Hope. This very podcast launched in February of this year, declaring the faithfulness of God in working all things together for good. And when we had to cancel our in-person She Writes for Him writing retreat in April, we hosted the first 21-day She Writes for Him boot camp online and helped take 40-plus women from concept to manuscript blueprint through 90-minute interactive virtual workshops, daily writing tips, and multiple coaching sessions. As the pandemic continued to interrupt our spring and summer conference plans, God birthed the conference I knew would be, but had no idea it would look like this. A virtual conference with three full days and 33-plus publishing professionals found 400 hungry attendees waiting and ravishing in the wisdom and the love that was poured out through the presenters. We've rescheduled the retreat for this September and still have a few slots open, and another boot camp is scheduled for October. And we've initiated the She Writes for Him Tribe, a monthly membership online where you can learn your writing craft, network, grow, and have a safe place to develop your voice with other sisters who love the Lord. Join the many women finding their writing identity through the She Writes For Him movement at SheWritesForHim.com. All right, so we are here with another she writes for him boot camp graduate Lori Jaron, and she has many Romans eight twenty eight stories as we all do. But uh, she's going to share one with us today that is just such a source of encouragement. So, Lori, welcome to the All Things Podcast. Thank you, Athena. It's such a blessing to be with you and everyone that's listening. You bet. All right. So, tell us your Romans eight twenty eight story. How. God worked all things together for good. Well, I call it my God pause moment. And it's about learning to really fully surrender to the Lord. And I think sometimes when we think of the word surrender, I know for me, I can imagine this battlefield and the people are out there and they are just battled and they are weary and they are worn and they're bleeding and they just want the battle to be over and they put up that flag and wave it and say i surrender i surrender just don't hurt me and uh, i think sometimes we go back and forth with the lord uh, trying to battle with our surrender and yet i've also experienced a sweet surrender and that's what i call the god pause moment and so um when i got into college um, shortly after i started my college experience i felt like the lord said to me you're going to serve me in ministry. And I thought if somebody had told me that when I was 16 or 17, I would have laughed in their face because my experience with ministry was people were missionaries on the other side of the world. I had no interest in that. Right. And so I thought, well, I don't know what this looks like. And so my second year in college, God opened the door for me to uh, intern at the local Christian radio station, WWDJ. And I can look back now and I can see how he was weaving pieces together to bring me to the place where I am today. Um, and he was really honing my leadership skills. He was teaching me, Christian music was really in its infancy at that point and just starting to come together. And so um, by 1991, um, he called me to start my own ministry, and I was doing concerts on the weekends and speaking engagements, but I was working in the corporate sector at that time already. And so I was working in the cell phone industry, and I had a great job, and um, 
as we got closer to the year 2000, we were dealing with another crisis in our life. And that was Y2K, uh, you know, very similar to what we're going through right now with coronavirus. And, you know, everybody thought, oh my gosh, as we hit midnight, life as we know it may come to an end because the computers aren't going to know what's happening. And so I had spent months preparing for that. And I was also praying a lot. And the month of December of 1999, I found myself on my knees many, many times and saying to the Lord, you know what? I have a great job. I'm good at what I do and I make good money, but it's not my passion. It's not what you've put in my heart. I knew he was still calling me to full-time ministry. And so I said to him, Lord, if there's something more for me to do here, show me what it is. And if not, move the mountain. And so a couple months later, there were so many things that happened. I could be on your podcast many times, I'm sure, to tell you all the things (laughs) that God unfolded over the course of four or five months. But finally, one day we got called into a meeting and the Lord said, I know you can't see what's coming next, but trust me, I'm moving the mountain. And my job was getting relocated. And I came home and prayed about it. And God said, you're not going to relocate with it. And so I called my boss and said, I think God is telling me it's time to move on. And I applied for several promotions. And I said, Lord, if I'm supposed to be here, open one of these doors. And if not, please close each one and give me the grace to be able to accept the rejection that's going to come along with that. And one by one, God was closing each one of those doors. And so, um, then I kind of fast forward to 2007 and I moved to Nashville for about three and a half months and I was pursuing my dreams with music and also a lot of the Christian publishing industry is in Nashville and so I had some contacts and as I was there just seeing a lot of the different things that were going on. And I can remember one day I was riding past the Nashville airport and I was having a conversation with the Lord. And I said to him, you know, Lord, you say that you come to give us life, but you didn't stop there. You said you came to give us abundant life. Mm. And if this life that I'm living right now is abundant, it stinks. And um, I just kept feeling like he was saying, you're right where you're supposed to be. Just trust me. And so I continued to move forward. And I was in a bookstore one day and I find this book, 40 Days to the Work You Love by Dan Miller. And Dan happens to live in Franklin, Tennessee, which is just south of Nashville. And I thought, wow, he's kind of doing some of what I would like to do. I'd love to be able to encourage other people and lift them up. And uh, so I came home back in July of that year. And in December, I received an email from Amazon saying, well, you ordered this book and you might be interested in this book. And it was Character Makeover by Katie Brazelton. And it introduced me to Life Purpose Coaching Centers International. And I thought, oh, this is what I think I want to do. And so I signed up and I started to go through that program. And it took about a year and a half to go through all the training to become certified. And so that's where this story leads me because I was on the final piece of that training and I had to fly out to Laguna Beach, California. And I was out there for about 10 or 12 days and went a couple days early just to kind of get the lay of the land. And so one day we had to do a surrender exercise. Mm. And so they said, we're going to give you an hour for your surrender exercise, an hour for lunch, and then you're going to come back and we're going to work on this computer program this afternoon. And so there was probably 20 other ladies that were there with us, and each one was allowed to decide where we wanted to go. And I had been walking through the town throughout the week, and there was a church down in the center of town that had benches and beautiful flowers, and I thought, that's where I'm going to go for my surrender time. And so we, I left the hotel where we were, and we were staying on the beach in a house that was behind the hotel, and I had to walk up this huge hill to get up to Pacific Coast Highway. And by the time I got to the top, I was huffing and puffing. And I thought, oh, Lord, anytime you want to take this weight, I will gladly give it to you. And so I started to pray. And I said, Lord, what do you want me to give you? What do you want me to surrender to you? And I clearly heard God say in my spirit, I want your timetable. Because there were certain things that I had been waiting for for a really long time. I had battled being overweight for quite a long time. 
And so I had been praying about that and I had been praying about ministry. And I had been praying about meeting that right someone to spend my life with. And none of those things had happened yet. And so as I walked down the street, I started to notice all these little alcoves off of the main road. And I had had a conversation the night before with one of the other ladies in our group. And I said to her, you know, God has showed me that I'm a visionary. And so I'm always ahead. I'm always in the future. And I miss a lot of the details around me. And I had walked up and down this road, I don't know how many times in almost two weeks. And so I'm starting to notice all these little things. And I walked down one and there was a patio with two, uh, tables and umbrellas and it was overlooking the ocean and I thought wow this is a really nice way to go to the beach without getting all sandy and you know and having to come back to the house and work the rest of the afternoon and so I thought well maybe I'll come back here later and so I continued on and I got down to uh, the main road where the church was going to be and as I walked down I noticed this old-fashioned phone booth like they have in England with the red door and I thought I didn't see that either. And so I took out my camera and I snapped a picture and I walked across the street and there was a clock and there were some flowers and I was like, oh, this is really pretty. And I snapped a picture of that. And as I zoomed in on the top of the clock, it said observatory time. And I thought, okay, Lord, I'm listening. You just asked me for my timetable and you're telling me now observatory time and so there were so many other signs there was a shirt hanging in a window of a men's clothing store that had a cross on the back of it that just stopped me dead in my tracks and so i get to the corner where the church is and i stood laughing the whole church was cordoned off with caution tape looked like a crime scene <laughs> wow. and uh and they were replacing their steeple and so I thought, gee, Lord, you have quite a sense of humor. You're going to ask me to surrender my surrender spot. So I turned around and I went back and I thought, well, I'll just go to one of those other places that I saw along the way. And so I got down to the highway and I'm waiting for the light to change. And the last thing that I prayed was, Lord, help me to watch what I put into my mouth and that I would be mindful of the things that come out. So now that's a good prayer. That's the kind of prayer he likes to answer. <laughs> and so the light changed. I walked across the street and I walked into this first little thing and it said Brown's Park. And it was a very little quaint, um, very creative place. And they had um, bronze chairs at the front. And I started taking some pictures. And as I looked at the end, there were these beautiful metal great railings and they had sayings carved out of them and I thought wow it is just so beautiful the sun was shining on the hillside you could see the flowers behind and then the ocean was there and so I took my camera out and I took a photo of one and there was somebody standing in front of the other one and so I waited and when the man moved away I walked over and I said gee would you take my photo and so he said sure and he saw my name badge and so he asked me where I was from and I said, oh, New Jersey, I'm here, you know, for a life purpose conference, becoming a life coach. And so he asked where I lived in New Jersey and I said, oh, well, Northern New Jersey. And he continued to press me and it turned out that he actually lived 20 minutes away from me. And I thought, wow, God had a divine appointment. I had to travel all the way across the country to meet you. And uh, so that was interesting. And so he left and I got up and I took a picture of the other gate. And as I got up close, what I noticed was that around the whole grate, burnt out of the metal was the word sight. And on the other one was the word sound. Mm. And so I stood there just enjoying that time. And I went back to the house and I got my journal out and I thought, I don't want to miss anything that God gave me during this time. And so I frantically started to write down everything. And as I got to the end and I wrote down, Lord, help me to watch what I put into my mouth and that I would be mindful of what comes out. And my pen literally stopped dead as I looked down and I underlined the word watch and what comes out my mouth. And in the margin, I wrote the word sight and sound. And the tears started to flow down my cheeks. And I thought, wow, 
that was my God pause moment because yeah. in that moment, God said, I am uniquely aware of what is going on in your life. And I put a special message just for you today. Because in 2001, a man named Ronald Persinger had created these gates. But God knew that on that day, and it actually was September 11th, it was an anniversary of September 11th, and I live in New Jersey, right outside of where it happened. And he knew that on that day, I would stand in Laguna Beach, California. He knew the words that would be on my lips. Um, you know, Psalm 139.4 says, before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. And he knew the words that would be in my heart that day. And he gave me that special message to say, I wanted to send this to you. And amazingly enough, the other ladies came back and they had stories no less wonderful than mine. He met each one of us in a special way. And I think sometimes we think, Lord, you're too busy. You're busy working over on the other side of the world today. Do you really see what's going on in my life? And yet God was really busy in Laguna Beach, California that day. And so it was one of the most pivotal moments of my life and something that I hold near and dear to my heart because God sprinkles those little blessings all along. And sometimes we get too busy doing instead of being that we miss the little signs that he wants to send us. Amen. And that whole concept of slowing down, paying attention, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a visionary too, and I'm not real great with details. And so I'm always seeing stuff out there instead of, okay, what's right around me? What is God speaking to me right now? And he wants us to know that he is speaking to us and he does know all the little details of our lives. And I just love that sight and sound. It's like you prayed that and then boom, right there. And that just increases your trust because that's, that's probably where most of us fail all the time is we just don't trust him like we should. And so I just love that story. Thank you so much for sharing that just, it's the little things that are profound. And I just love how he set you up for that moment so that you would know he is concerned about every little thing in your life and just the surrendering your timetable. Oh my, right on. I love that. Thank you. Thank you, Lori, so much for being with us today. Uh, thank you, Athena, for all that you are doing with She Writes for Him and the Romans 828 podcast. The Lord has just used you to bless my life so much and all the other ladies that work with you. Um, it's just a wonderful community to be a part of, and I look forward to staying connected. Amen. All right. Well, we are back with another amazing Romans 828 story from one of our recent She Writes for Him boot camp attendees. This is Carol Larson, and she has an amazing story. So Carol, welcome to the All Things Podcast. Thank you so much, Athena. I'm so glad to be able to do this with you. Amen, me too. So why don't you just go ahead, I'm gonna give you the floor to share how God has been so faithful to work all things together for good in your life. Yeah. Very good. You know, as, as I was growing up, I grew up as a Christian. I knew Jesus from probably the day I was born. I'm sure my mom was talking to me about Jesus from day one. And uh, so grew up growing to ch going to church and, and Sunday school. Um, I, just, I just love uh, looking at old home movies, the old V... Uh, V8 movies, you know, and or whatever they were called it back then. And uh, there's there's a video of me telling my Sunday school story with with paper in hand, showing my sister who was three years younger than me. And she was in her little bouncy seat, and I am just preaching to her like none other. <laughs> so I know I know Jesus has you know been important to me from day one. 
Um, but you know, in life, we, we experience some slip ups and some fallbacks and, and I've had a few of those along the way. Uh, I, I was a perfectionist all the way through my growing up years and into adulthood. I've been very driven in, uh, as a businesswoman. Uh, I've been single all my life. Um, and, and that had a little bit to do with, with uh, uh, the addiction that I, I fell into, um, I guess, when I was you know, about 32 or so. Um, what happened at that point in 1993, there were a series of, of major events and changes that happened in my life. Uh, I experienced uh, uh, a death in the family with uh, a cousin to cancer. Um, I changed jobs. I, I went from my, my first career was lab, laboratory technologist in hospital lab. And someone in, that's very important in my life encouraged me to become a teacher in that profession. And I had said I would never be a teacher. I, I was a shy, shy little girl that just didn't have a voice at all. Um, and she believed in me, and I ultimately taught for 18 years. Wow. But in, 19, in, in 1993, I uh, uh, stepped into uh, teaching for the first time. And so I was scared about that, but excited all, all the same. Um, on the home place, I grew up on a farm, and the barn burned down that year. Hmm. And that was, as a kid, my safe place. I would go to the haymow, play with the kittens, enjoy uh, just being able to get away from my siblings and, and just experience some peace and quiet and recharge my battery. Um, also that year, uh, I had a roommate of seven years who got engaged over New Year's, got married in August, and in December separated and divorced her husband. Mm. all in one year and wow. my my heart was was very um very broken for her yeah and then in the middle of all that as my single friends were getting married and moving on uh, here i am still single and the thought of what what does it feel like to be sexual but it's not allowed before you get married and yet i felt like i was missing out on something and so at the age of 32, I discovered masturbation. And then the next year I built a home. So I moved out of a, a, a apartment into my own home. And that was just as the internet was showing up in, in homes. And so I, uh, out of curiosity, uh, started Googling. Well, there wasn't Google back then, but right. uh, started uh, discovering that you could access pornography on the internet very early on. Uh, it was in the mid nineties. Wow. So over the next 10 to 15 years, I became very much addicted to the pornography and the self gratifying. And as a Christian woman, I was appalled at myself. Right. You know, I saw myself as a pervert, and how could any Christian woman do this? I was certain I was the only one. Absolutely. And, and I just want women to know today that as a Christian woman, you're not alone. Yeah. Um, the, the research, the, the surveys that have been done with women in churches is showing that around 25% of women in churches struggle with pornography on a weekly basis. Uh, and so my reasoning for becoming a counselor in the last 10 years is to be able to step out here and help other women and men, uh, I don't leave them out because I know they struggle, um, to be able to help people walk through their own addictions to whatever. And to realize that, um, an addiction is worshiping an idol. And so I was worshiping the images on a screen, computer screen. I was worshiping my body and giving into my flesh and just trying to gratify my own desires, which I knew were not from God. 
I have I have studied much, and the truth is, my sexuality is a gift from God to show me how He desires to connect with me on a very deep, knowing, intimate level. Mm-hmm. And so, after oh, I'd say. 10 years of struggling, I finally got my secret out, found a safe person, told them, they said, Carol, you, you need to work with a counselor. And I knew that's what I needed to do. I just needed her to push me. Yeah. Um, and as she pushed me, I uh, worked with a therapist for three years. I got involved in a recovery ministry. And, and that's a piece I really want to share mm. uh, of how directly God works in my life. The way God talks to me is, is uh, you know, not, not an internal voice or I'm not hearing a voice, but I hear the exact same message come from multiple sources and I'm always in awe that it's word for word in all the sources. Mm-hmm. And when I get to three, I know. Okay, God. I get it, I get it, God, absolutely. Uh, So, um, I was teaching for the University Medical Center out of Omaha, but I live three hours away. And and so I would go to Omaha frequently to uh, have meetings and interact with my my, uh, um, colleagues. And I would stay with the safe person I first told. She's actually a very dear, dear relative of mine. And... Uh, she and her husband would just always welcome me in and and we'd have wonderful times together. Anyway, she convinced me to go to a Celebrate Recovery group with her. Mm. I'd never been to a support group ever. And I knew this was probably going to be like AA or something like that. Um, So I walked in with her. I'd put it off a long time, but I walked in with her and they were on step three. And it says, I turn my life and my will over to God. And that was a daily surrendering of my life will. And and when I think of my will, I think of my desires. And instead, I want to follow God's will, his desires. I went home that weekend, and a friend of mine had invited me to go to an in-home Bible study that she was a participant in. And it happened to be run by a couple who loved the Lord in amazing ways, and they were both counselors. Hmm. Okay, I knew of them, but I didn't know them. So I was introduced to them, and that evening, during Bible study, uh, Tim announced that he was going to be leaving his Uh, employee assistance counseling position at the hospital and start private practice counseling through the church that they attended. And he was all excited because he wanted to start a recovery ministry, was Mm -hmm. how he put it. Mm -hmm. My ear perked up, and at the end of the study, I, I asked him, what kind of recovery ministry are you looking at? And he said, celebrate recovery. Well, just four days prior, I had attended my first meeting. All right. That God says, surrender to me, your, your life and your will. All right. So I, I said, uh, when he said that, I wanted to either run away or give him a hug. <laughs> I wasn't quite sure which. Right. But instead, I stood there and I said, I just went to my first meeting. And he goes, I'm doing training right now. Would you like to join the training? I'm like, Tim, you don't know me. He's like, doesn't matter. You come to the training. We meet every Monday night. So I go to the training and I begin to realize there, there's like 25 people in attendance. It's a big group. And he's training everybody to be able to facilitate the small group discussions. And I began to realize that everybody had to share their, share their, their testimony. I'm a Lutheran. I'd never shared my testimony. Wow. And I'd never told a man my story. 
Right. So over and this that, was a mixed group. A mixed group, men okay. and women. Yeah. Wow. So long story short, I went and told Tim my story first, and then he he said, "Carol, I forgot to line someone up for next Monday night. Would you be willing?" And I, I've got the deer in the headlight look. <clears throat> so I said, boy, I don't know. He says, tell you what, you pray about it. If God says no, the next several days I saw every green light you could see. <laughs> every devotional I picked up, it said, tell your story. <laughs> yep. Different devotions. Right. Uh, Oswald Chambers. May 15th, tell your story. And my pastor, he was a brand new senior pastor, his very first sermon that Sunday. He says at the end of his sermon, folks, Kearney, Nebraska is our mission field, and we need to get out there and tell our story. <laughs> I, so I, dropped knees, I dropped to my knees and I shared my testimony in a room with 11 men. Wow and about that many women yeah and i've been unstoppable ever since wow now the if that isn't romans eight twenty eight, how god could take that devastation in your life mm -hmm. and that brokenness and yeah. turn it around to helping others set, get set free oh my goodness yeah yeah wow and that's why i became a, a counselor yeah I with being an associate professor, giving up an amazing salary that I'd been doing for 18 years. And so for the last 10 years, God has literally provided wow. my needs so mm -hmm. that I can be a counselor mm. and help others to see that Jesus Christ is indeed the one that can fix any problem you have. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so as we, your story just, I mean, and, and this was the abbreviated version, I already know that. So I just love um, the example of him working all things together for good. So as we wrap up, if there was one thought that we could ponder walking away from hearing your story, what would that be? That would be a Bible verse. Um, this was my first green light that week. The very next morning after I told uh, Tim my story, uh, by the way, he said, wow, that's got to be the hardest thing you've ever done in your life. And I'm like, yeah, think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The next morning I opened up my little Lutheran devotional booklet and here's the Bible verse I read. But Jesus said to me, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness so i want you to know that i learned that week that it's not about me it's about being able to give glory to jesus christ and no matter how hard it is to tell my story i'm doing it so that other people can see what God can do in our lives. Hmm. And that's 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. Wow. And that is something to ponder because we've all got a story. Now, yes. yours is different than mine. And, but, you know, I think for most women, the enemy loves to figure out any way he can to lead you down a path where you're going to be covered in shame. And you... yeah, and, and his intent to attack each one of us sexually is that God created us to connect with his covenant love yeah. in a very intimate way. And he gave us our, <clears throat> our sexuality to know how to connect in a deep way with him. And Satan has tried to destroy every person's sexuality. Yep. Boy, he had a whole He's doing a good job. Yes, he is. Today, it's, it's rampant. Yeah, but he overplayed his hand with you because God 
took even that, even what he had, you know, done so well at, and, uh, you know. He's healing other people because he healed me first. Exactly. Exactly. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Carol, for being with us today. If there's um, some, do you do, let me just ask you this. Do you do any sort of. Um, I have a blog. Okay. Okay. Your blog. I, I've not written recently, but uh, it tells my story in okay. more depth. Okay. Along with some of the things God's done in my life. And it is carolalarson.com. So let me spell it. C-A-R-O-L-A for my middle name. And Larson is L-A-R-S-O-N.com. Perfect. And if there's any sort of anything else that you would be doing if you were opening up counseling for people via, you know, Zoom or whatever, if you were doing anything like that, it would be at your website, right? Um, my website is just a place to tell my story. Okay. Okay. And to be able to be a speaker. Okay. That's, that's my first love. Yeah. I am dabbling and starting to think about that book I want to write. Yep. But uh, uh, yeah, on my website, they can get in touch with me with an email address, uh, Carol Larson FLC, which stands for my business name, Family Life Counseling, at gmail.com. Perfect. Well, thank you again for being with us today. It was an absolute delight. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much. You bet. So thanks for joining us today for the All Things Podcast brought to you by Redemption Press and the Romans 828 Bookstore. So hey, I'd like to ask you a favor. If you would consider sharing this episode with your friends on social media, of course, only if you thought it was helpful, or if you haven't yet left a review of the podcast on Apple, I would really appreciate it as, you know, it'll help other people find the show and let them know it really is a good one to listen to. So thank you so much for listening today, and I'll see you next week.